Okay, this is lecture number nine in the New Age and the Occult. A couple lectures ago we started the occult and uh, we defined the occult as that which deals with the secret or hidden arts. Uh, it deals with events that go beyond the five senses and it deals with the supernatural, uh, i.e. the demonic realm. Uh, we talked about the pseudo-occult, which is just the art of illusion for entertainment. But then we talked about the genuine occult, where uh, genuine demonic intervention occurs. Uh, we also uh, mentioned many different ways how people uh, could get introduced to the world of the occult. And we said that some of these uh, introductory, uh, uh, some of these uh, things that introduce people to the occult are actually in the occult themselves. Some of them are not officially in the world of the occult, but they can lead a person in that direction, like the old Frankenstein or uh, Dracula movies are not technically occultic in themselves, but they can arouse an interest in the world of the occult and uh, lead somebody in that direction. Uh, after discussing some of those uh, things that introduce people to the world of the occult, then we began to talk about the world of the occult. Uh, we left off on astrology, which is the belief that the position of the stars and planets directly influence people and events, that the heavenly bodies determine our future. Uh, we looked at Isaiah 47, 12 to 15, and Deuteronomy 4, and verse 19, to see where the scriptures, and by the way, it mentions there in the ancient times, uh, that actually the, the stars were viewed, the heavenly bodies were viewed as uh, as gods, uh, basically false gods. And uh, But as time went on, a man got more quote-unquote scientific. Uh, the uh, occultists then uh, uh, depersonalized these false gods and uh, now believe that they're impersonal heavenly bodies that, that still do determine our, our future. We mentioned that the astrological charts are unscientific. I think they only have seven planets in our solar system instead of the, instead of the uh, 14, no, nine that, that there are. And uh, identical twins, since they're born at the same time, and, and uh, you know, they're as close as you can get and uh, according to astrological charts they should have identical futures and that is not the case identical twins have different futures now Romans 8.28 we're told uh, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose so uh, uh, for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ God promises to work all things for our good and uh, so we should look uh, to the Lord Jesus recognizing that he as God the second person of the Trinity he is in control not the heavenly bo bodies uh, God has given us free will uh, but uh, if we trust in God um, we should trust in God and recognize that he is the one uh, who is sovereign over the universe not the impersonal uh, stars or heavenly bodies Matthew 11:28, the Lord Jesus tells us uh, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we are to go to the Lord Jesus in our time in, of need. We are to be content in what the Lord has for us and trust in Him rather than to seek uh, 
hidden information through the world of the occult uh, about our future. Uh, point B, uh, parapsychology, another aspect of the world of the occult. Parapsychology is an attempt to give the supernatural a scientific explanation. Um, basically, there's, there's two different main headings that, that fall under the, the, the uh, category parapsychology. There's ESP, extrasensory perception, and there's psychokinesis. Okay? Now, ESP is uh, the knowledge of something without the help of the five senses. Okay, yeah. Is this parapsychology taught in some universities? Is this technical investigation? Yeah, it's being taught right now in an awful lot of uh, universities. Uh, the uh, atheism is pretty much it's on the way out, but you, you've got a lot of atheist dinosaur professors who who have tenure, so you can't fire them. So they're always going to be around for for another couple decades. But uh, but most of your young uh, philosophers are now pantheists and so you're finding more and more of this type of thing but there's uh, California Berkeley they were offering back I think back in the 60's uh, a Bachelor of Art degree in witchcraft so uh, 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 now, now, now Berkeley is always uh, a good generation and a half uh, uh, ahead of the rest of the uh, idiotic colleges that would actually follow their follow their lead in that area so uh, uh, but but there are there are schools that are offering uh, degrees and courses in parapsychology. Is that the department or the no, they would be under the psychology department. I used to drive by there all the time. I was staying in Alameda. It's too bad I work in nuclear power, not nuclear weapons. Oh, good. That's good, Kurt. Okay, now that's uh, if you'd like to make a few more confessions, the cassette is rolling. Okay. On the, on the astrological charts, how many plants did they only show? I, I believe they only show seven. So obviously that's un, uh, not scientifically uh, accurate. Uh, but anyway, extrasensory perception is to know something without the help of the five senses. And uh, uh, there, there's three different types of ESP. There's telepathy, which is mind reading. There's... Uh, Clairvoyance, which is perception of objects not influencing the senses, that would be uh, if I had knowledge of uh, an event occurring and right now a traffic accident that's like you know ten miles away and there's no way for me to see or hear it, but I give you a vivid description of it and you read about it in the paper and at exactly that time that's what occurred. That would be clairvoyance perception of objects not influencing the senses and precognition uh, is predicting future events okay now uh, these things are from a biblical standpoint these are in the realm of the supernatural and uh, God could actually give someone a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom uh, that would come real close to telepathy and and, and, and that type of thing. He could give his prophets a prophecy uh, that would predict the future. And uh, so we would view these things as the uh, demonic or the satanic counterfeit of some of the spiritual gifts or some of the miracles that God has worked through his prophets and apostles 
throughout the ages. Um, psychokinesis is the manipulating uh, of objects without touching them. And uh, that would be, uh, you know, when a guy moves uh, uh, a table or a chair, causes objects to, to levitate and that type of thing. Two uh, famous uh, people uh, that bore the, the, the title of prophets in, in our uh, uh, generation or day and age were Gene Dixon and uh, Edgar Casey, and uh, they made numerous uh, predictions of future events and that type of thing, and sometimes they were correct and sometimes they weren't, and it depends who you read as to uh, how accurate they were. Uh, if you look at, look at their followers, and their followers would uh, lead you to believe that they were like 99.9%, but even their followers will admit that, that they uh, missed the boat every once in a while. Um, but uh, if you talk to their, you know, somebody who's trying to prove them a fraud, uh, they'll bring that percentage way down. But I, I think it's safe to say, I, I, w I wouldn't be surprised if Gene Dixon had a, a good 70 to 80 percent accuracy rating and uh, uh, I think there's enough evidence, there's definitely enough evidence in the life of Edgar Cayce then, uh, to say that more than naturalistic causes, uh, more than a naturalistic uh, explanation uh, is demanded uh, when, when you look into some of the things that, uh, uh, that he did. He, he was uh, referred to as the sleeping prophet. He would go into a trance and uh, basically it's just like the uh, channeling that is supposedly occurring today um, where uh, his personality would change, the expression on his face would change, but then he would diagnose um, with no medical training whatsoever, I think he only had something like six or seven years of grammar school, uh, but he would diagnose people's ailments when the doctors were unable to do it, and that's been documented several times. Uh, and. Uh, uh, he also made some predictions. He was uh, one of the first guys, if not the first, to predict that the uh, California was going to, uh, there's going to be some big earthquakes and it was going to fall into the sea or fall into the ocean and that type of thing. And so we're still waiting on that one. But, uh, uh, but, but let's take a look at a few passages. Um, Obviously, we looked at 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 last week, where it, said, it tells us to test the spirits because not every spirit is from God. And then it gives us that test that basically what it comes out to is those that do not recognize the true, the true Jesus of the Bible, the true Jesus Christ, then it would be classified as a false prophet or false uh, prophecy. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. In verse 22, Deuteronomy 18, and verse 22, and that reads, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So in other words, if... If a particular person is truly a prophet of God, whenever they say, thus saith the Lord, and come out with their prophecy, it will not fail. So in other words, God is saying, 
if this is really one of my prophets, they will have 100% accuracy in their predictions. Now, obviously, uh, the predictions that are far off, uh, you're going to have to take a wait-and-see, uh, uh, have a wait-and-see wait policy. So there are other tests that we can look at. But you know if a, if a prediction is made that certain events can occur tomorrow and it doesn't occur tomorrow, it's false. You know it's false. Uh, but if, uh, if the prediction is long-range, there are still other, other things that we could look into. Look at Revelation 19 and verse 10. Revelation 19 and verse 10. And this is a, an angel uh, appears before John. John, the, the glory of the angel is so great that, that John actually drops to his knees to worship the angel. And uh, Revelation 19, verse 10 reads as follows, And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is real important here. What he's saying is that the whole goal, the whole thrust of prophecy, of a proclamation from God, proclaiming God's word, is that it will somehow, either directly or indirectly, testify of Christ, testify to Jesus. So when the rubber meets the road, this is going to be... Uh, the test if you can't wait and see if it's going to come about by the way if it's from the demonic realm uh, somebody like Nostradamus might have you know multitudes of prophecies that have come about that may prove that it's supernatural but it still doesn't prove that it's from God then when you find out that Nostradamus used crystal balls and other occultic um, uh, paraphernalia there's the word I'm looking for uh, then basically if it becomes real clear, you know, which side he's on, and then when you start hearing more and more about his, his views. Uh, but the biblical view is that it, it's got to somehow testify of Jesus. Now, it can be direct or it can be indirect. You look at the Old Testament prophecies, and some of them are very indirect, but they were prophecies from God, and so they were pointing the, the way to Jesus. Um, when Gene Dixon predicts the winner of a horse race, I just I just can't see how that testifies of Jesus. Uh, so uh, uh, that's another test. Uh, uh, did it come about when they claim they're predicting the future? And then number two, does it testify to the true Jesus of the Bible? And then look at Matthew seven. So that statement for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Is that a that's what you're talking about basically if the testimony if it's the right spirit or the spirit of God the prophet, the testimony of that prophecy will will proclaim Christ as Lord and well and here's here's what I mean by indirect too not, sometimes the prophet yeah what that statement really means. Well, first of all you say worship God so, number one, the, the, the true prophet of God, and this angel is coming with God's message, so he's prophesying. It's all uh, 
To prophesy in the biblical sense means is to proclaim a message from God, to represent God to the people by proclaiming His message. Um, the he said worship God. Here John was ready to worship Him, and he refused to be worshipped. He said worship God. I'm coming here, in other words, serving God. I want you to to worship God, just like I worship God. And then he tells them that basically the main thrust of prophecy is to testify about Jesus. Okay. So now, now the, 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 the key is, supposing the prophecy is, is one of those real vague ones where you can't, it's going to take too long to see if it comes about, and even if it comes about, it might prove it's demonic. Not, it might, still might, you know, it could be supernatural and still not be from God. But then again, uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's indirect, and maybe there's a possibility that it could testify of Jesus in one way or another. You could always question the prophet. What are your views about Jesus? That's like these uh, supposed aliens on the uh, from UFO visitations and that type. If this stuff is legitimate, and there seems to be some, uh, you know, widespread. Uh, eyewitness testimony that at least some of it is actually uh, occurring um, then uh, then these these guys are preaching a different gospel so uh, yeah, it becomes real clear which side they're on so the phrase spirit of prophecy could also be in this context basically the meaning or ultimate purpose of prophecy yeah yeah the, the purpose of the prophecy the uh, the goal of it the thrust of it um, in in Matthew 7 you know, it, it is basically, it's it's all amplified on 1 John 4, 1. Test the spirits because not every spirit is from God. So, uh, and the, when you test the spirit, um, in fact, it, hold that page in Matthew 7 and just, just go to 1 John. What's that? Well, that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, on, on, on a test, you mean, or do you mean right here? Oh, he, man, here we go. Okay, uh, now, what's that? First John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 3. The last mark was from Kurt Rainier, and he does not make his living writing comedy. Okay, First John 4, 1 to 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and is now already in the world. Now, uh, keep in mind when it says that they must uh, must confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Uh, it's the, it's got to be the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Uh, passages throughout First John say that Jesus is the Christ, not that Jesus exercised the Christ consciousness better than than somebody else. But we all have the Christ consciousness within us. No, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Jewish Messiah. And the prophecies of the Jewish Messiah make it real clear. He refers to him as Yahweh. Yahweh, our righteousness, and Jeremiah. Uh, Isaiah calls the, the coming Messiah the mighty God. 
uh, Zechariah talks about Christ at his second coming and refers to him as the mighty God. So it's real clear that the the Jewish Messiah, the Christ, is is fully God, and he became a man. He came in the flesh. So so uh, basically, uh, John is saying when you test the spirits, you, you must test the spirits because there are false prophets that are out there that are being inspired uh, by demonic spirits, and you'll know them basically by their fruit, by their teachings, uh, and uh, if they do not confess uh, that Jesus is the Christ as spelled out in the Bible, then you know that they're not from God. Now take a look at Matthew 7, verses 15 uh, to 23. Jesus said this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now, right off the bat, what does it tell you? They wear wool, right? Yeah, there you go. Basically, yeah, so look for them wearing wearing wool. Just grab the the tab of the shirt. And, uh... Yeah, that was But, uh... Jeff... Come clean on this now. Is Kurt writing your material? <laughs> but uh, uh, basically, though, know, he's telling us that the sheep that the, that the they are wolves, but they come dressed up as sheep. So, in, in other words, uh, uh, in, in other words, uh, they are not. Uh, they're not going to just come right out and let you know exactly where they're from. Um, they're going to appear. It's just like Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11 that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so then it says that uh, that his apostles uh, de- deceive others into thinking that, that they're true apostles. And so uh, uh, the, the, the danger of a false prophet is, you know, the danger of a counterfeit $20 bill is not how phony it looks but how much it really looks like the real thing because then it's more deceiving uh, but it says in, in verse 16 you will know them by their fruits see you will know them by what they produce not the doctrines they produce the prophecies that they make um, not by their appearance do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Even so, every good tree bears, bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So uh, again here, what he's, he's emphasizing, that the good tree bearing good fruit is a true prophet uh, whatever he prophesies, it will come about, and he will uh, preach the true gospel message taught in the scriptures. But a bad tree, a false prophet, um, will basically teach uh, dis- uh, destructive doctrines, doctrines that contradict the true gospel message, um, and uh, occasionally uh, will come up with a prophecy that doesn't come true. Uh, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, 
cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name and then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness so uh, there are several ways that we can test uh, whether people like Gene Dixon or Edgar Casey are from God and we see in, in, in their cases some of their prophecies uh, were, were straight out false they were proven wrong um, and you know but when you think about it too you know Gene Dixon is a very nice lady Edgar Casey did a lot of nice things for nice people you know he helped uh, save several lives um, but uh, when we look into their message uh, Edgar Casey taught reincarnation he basically taught a watered-down view of Jesus where Jesus was not uniquely God in the flesh um, and uh, Jean Dixon has also been extremely problematic uh, in the in the doctrines that she teaches and she admits that she got she got her gift of prophecy from a gypsy and uh, and so obviously that does not sound like the biblical uh, gift of prophecy uh, the secret things what about the secret things take, take a look at Exodus chapter 7 uh, this hidden knowledge uh, that people like Gene Dixon and Edgar Casey and and those involved with ESP are trying to information that they're trying to get at that you can't gain information that you cannot arrive at through naturalistic means uh, what should our our view be of these secret things? Uh, look at uh, Exodus 7 verses 10 to 12. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did so, just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became a serpent. So God miraculously had Aaron's rod turn into a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers so the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So uh, it's basically teaching us there is some supernatural power in the world of the occult. So uh, a true Christian should not deny that. A true Christian should not deny that there, that there, there are these evil spirits called demons... Uh, who are powerful, who are more powerful than man and can accomplish things that cannot be explained uh, naturalistically. Now, uh, take a look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is a real important passage. Deuteronomy 29, in verse 29. And that says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Uh, but it says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. If you want to find out something that there's no way you can find out through the five senses, you ask God. You pray to God. But if God chooses uh, to not reveal it to you, or if he chooses that he decides he's not going to send an angel to you to reveal it, uh, then you should be content without, you know, with not having that knowledge. Um, but to go uh, to the world of the occult uh, to try to get this knowledge from either the, the, the spirits of the dead or from uh, spirit beings apart from God, and by the way, con even contacting of good angels 
is not biblical. If God decides to send a good angel to you, that's his business. But when we seek uh, contact with, when we try to initiate contact with the with the spirit uh, spiritual realm, we're forbidding, we're, we're breaking prohibitions from God's word, and we're setting ourselves up uh, for possible demonic uh, uh, influence. Uh, the third doctrine I want to talk about is on page three: reincarnation from the world of the occult reincarnation we spoke about this already so I don't want to spend too much time on this um, we mentioned that in order for reincarnation to occur you have to have physical bodies and you have to have individual souls I mean if you don't have an individual soul uh, then there's no individual soul to be reincarnated in another body and if you don't have physical bodies, there's no bodies for the individual soul to be reincarnated in. That's what you know, that's what reincarnation is. Well, the problem is that reincarnation almost always comes with a pantheistic worldview, which refers to the physical universe as an illusion. So physical bodies don't really exist, and uh, and then the, the individual soul is also an illusion because all reality is one. So it's it's basically a contradiction of the of the the worldview uh, that teaches reincarnation, uh, but it also contradicts the Bible. Uh, Hebrews nine twenty seven tells us uh, that it is appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. Now there have been some exceptions. Uh, there have been some people who've never died. God took them to heaven. Enoch and Elijah. Uh, there uh, have been some people who died more than once, like uh, Lazarus, whom Jesus rose from the dead, uh, and then he died again later on. And uh, um, uh, Elijah rose people from the dead. The apostles rose some people from the dead. So there have been some exceptions, but the general rule, and, and all who are living, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, all believers who are living will be caught up in the clouds to meet him in the air and will be changed in the twinkling of an eye without dying, according to 1 Corinthians 15. So there will be some exceptions, but the general rule is that God has determined that man will die once and then comes to judgment. In other words, you're not guaranteed any second chance, or a third chance, or a fourth chance, or a one millionth chance. And uh, so the Bible obviously does not teach, contradict, uh, reincarnation. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 also tells us, talking about Christ, who being the brightness of His glory, the brightness of God's glory, and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. See, the, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ made the purification for our sins. He was punished for our sins. We don't have to suffer for our own negative karma. Okay, and negative karma is, is kind of a vague thing. It's, we, uh, it, it, it's distantly related to, to what we call sin, although there really is no concept of sin in a, in a pantheistic uh, worldview. Uh, but, what's that? The golden rule. 
it, it's something along those lines, but it's really not e- not even not even a a, a real yeah. And it, it, it's 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 just pr- pretty vague, but but it would also that'd be another another hit on reincarnation. There's no incentive. That's why uh, there's so many people suffering in, in in India. There's so much neglect. There's no incentive to help alleviate somebody's suffering because you're just damning him to come back in another life to suffer for that negative karma. So you're just slowing down his reincarnation process and the goal of reincarnation is to escape the the, the cycle of reincarnation and to uh, be joined to the world soul. and then, of course, there's Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, where you have, I'm not going to read the entire passage. We read it already when we dealt with reincarnation uh, uh, during the lectures on the New Age movement. Um, I'm sorry, I had a passage. Walter Martin's study, what you said, you read, I got a whole Yeah, yeah, that's sowing and reaping, but, it, but it's still not... Uh, uh, the, the biblical meaning of sowing and, and reaping uh, uh, deals with uh, you know with sin and, and obedience, um, but there really is no concept of sin or, or obedience to uh, to uh, an all-powerful sovereign God. In his book, he says that this this keeps on going until his. He keeps on paying for his misdeeds until his bad karma is been balanced by his good karma. So they have to be in equal proportions before breaking the cycle, or I, be no negative karma. I, I, from what I've heard, the, the, the all negative karma has to be done away with. But but it, it could could be differing. There could be differing views within different schools of reincarnation. Or is that that's that's Taoism. That's that's something different. Not every uh, New Ager would hold to the uh, the. Uh, Yin and the Yang. The, 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 that would be uh, pretty close, though, to uh, uh, the the uh, dark side of the Force, and the, you know, from Star Wars, the two different sides of the Force, and that type of thing. Yeah, and, but 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 even there, it's it's uh, you do have some some Tao type uh, principles. In different variations of Hinduism, Hinduism actually is a uh, a family of uh, of uh, religions that uh, you know you know nobody could tell you the exact number because it it starts out teaching that all religions lead to God and once you once you have a, a premise like that you're going to get a whole mess of different religions. Remember in uh, Luke 16, 19 to 31, the rich man, uh, he died, and Lazarus the beggar, he died. Uh, Lazarus was taken to uh, Abraham's bosom, uh, basically paradise. He was uh, at rest, whereas uh, the rich man was taken to uh, Hades and was tormented, and he saw across a, a gulf, he saw Lazarus the beggar, and uh, um, he basically asked Lazarus to dip his his finger in in the water to cool off his uh, his tongue to give him some rest. Uh, but Abraham told the rich man, 
that there's a gulf between them and there's no way that one could pass uh, from one side of the gulf to the other side. Uh, so then the rich man uh, asks if uh, if uh, Lazarus or Abraham could go back. I think he asked for Lazarus the beggar to go back and talk to his five brothers and warn them. And Abraham says no, that uh, that, that can't be done. And, and so basically, you don't see anything in here where uh, you know don't worry about it. You'll uh, you'll work off this negative karma in your future reincarnations, and you'll be okay. It's like no. There is no second chance, and uh, and then you even see uh, the fact that the uh, the general rule is the dead do not the spirits of the dead do not return to the living to communicate with them, uh, although there have been some exceptions uh, by a uh, you know special uh, order of God uh, uh, Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Samuel the prophet allowed to uh, return and visit uh, Saul to pronounce uh, his uh, coming death the very next day. Um, uh, transcendental meditation. Transcendental meditation. The uh, this is an Eastern form uh, of uh, uh, meditation. It is not the you know biblical meditation. Uh, is spoken about in Joshua 1.8 and in Psalm 1, 1 and 2. In fact, let me just turn there. In Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And so the law of the Lord is God's word. It's just one of the many titles for God's word. But it says that the man who is blessed of God, his delight is God's word, and he meditates day and night on principles from God's word. Okay? So what you have there, biblical meditation has content. Okay? Yeah. When did when did this start to come in the sixties? To, to to the U.S. Yeah, it, it it might you know there might have been little elements of it earlier, but but uh, uh, when the Maharishi came at that time and with the uh, with the Beatles and that type of thing, that's when uh, I now it was it was in the late sixties. Anybody remember? No, no, the the. the uh, when the uh, Maharishi came, because I'm trying to date it by the Beatles, but the Beatles in the early '60s were a lot more mellow than the later '60s. Maharishi and Chile? yeah, I, mean, I, th I think it was the late '60s. But but uh, whatever the case, uh, the bi biblical meditation uh, has content, the content of God's word. Um, and uh, we don't need to turn to Joshua 1.8, but it says basically the same thing, meditating uh, day and night on God's Word, on principles from God's Word. But in uh, Hindu meditation or transcendental meditation, there is an emptying of the mind, uh, a cessation of thought. You know, you, 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 you try to stop uh, rational thought, rational thinking. Uh, and so the, there's an emptying of the mind, and this leaves the door open to possible demonic influence. 
In fact, uh, the late Dr. Walter Martin argued that the mantras, the, the uh, single-syllable uh, words that were uh, uh, repeated over and over again, he argued that they were actually derived from names of, of Hindu gods. And uh, look, look at 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10 and verses 19 and 20. Uh, there are there are some passages of the Scripture which emphasize that an idol is nothing but a chunk of wood. Okay, it can't see, it can't hear. Okay, uh, there what it's what the focus is on is the symbol of the idol. But there are other times the scripture zeroes in on the power behind that idol, uh, the influence that is leading people astray and giving them the idea to worship that false idol, and there the Bible attributes uh, that aspect to the demonic realm. Look at 1 Corinthians 10:19 and 20. What am I saying then, that an idol is anything? or what is offered to idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. And uh, so it's real clear that false gods uh, actually have behind them uh, some demon, some evil spirit who uh, led the people astray and got them caught up worshiping a... Uh, false uh, God who is not obviously not the true God of the Bible uh, and so transcendental med meditation uh, just by surrendering control of your mind you're opening the door to possible demonic influence you could do that by the way through drugs and through uh, alcohol abuse through getting drunk and and that type of thing, you would surrender the control of your mind. A lot of people think when you get drunk, the real you comes out. Uh, I've seen real nice people get drunk and do some really horrendous things. And uh, I tend to think it's not the real them that's coming out. They're, they're being influenced uh, and they've dropped their guard and they, and they have a harder time saying no to temptations that would have normally been easy for them to say no to. Uh, and so that's... Uh, the biblical response to transcendental meditation. Uh, fortune telling. Fortune telling. Now there's a lot of different uh, headings for uh, fortune telling. Uh, there's, there's palm reading where they would read the different lines on your palm in an attempt to tell your future. Or there's looking into uh, crystal balls, the uh, uh, tarot cards, uh, numerology. Uh, I remember when I was... Uh, uh, in the Marine Corps, and they just flew me out to California, and I hitched a ride, and some guy gave me a ride, and his mother was uh, in the car with him, and she started asking me when I was born, what my name is, and this and that, and she started throwing out all these numbers, and st then started making all kinds of predictions about my life. Well, she was doing numerology. I didn't know what she was doing. All I knew was I wanted out of the car, but uh, then there's Kabbalah, uh, which we talked about that when we did, we got into... Uh, hermeneutics, the science of biblical interpretation, where you basically turn the Bible into a Ouija board, and you look for uh, hidden secret meanings, and you 
each each uh, Hebrew letter has a has its own numerical value, and they would throw around the the numbers and exchange letters for other letters of equal value and that type of thing, and look for uh, hidden meanings, and uh, uh, so all these different. Uh, uh, methods of fortune telling uh, are occultic. Uh, again, Revelation 19:10, the, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, and you do not find Jesus being glorified uh, through palm reading. Uh, Romans 8:28 tells us that you know God promises to work all things for our good. If we are believers and we are trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, He promises to work all things for our good. It doesn't mean everything that's going to happen to us is good, but He means even the bad things that happen to us, He is going to somehow work uh, for our good. Um, and uh, take a look at First Chronicles 10. First Chronicles 10. And uh, verses 13 and 14. Now this is when uh, Saul, King Saul, went to uh, uh, the witch of Endor to uh, uh, try to call back the spirit of uh, Samuel the prophet from the dead. It reads, So Saul died for his unfaithfulness which he had committed against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore he killed them and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. And uh, so it shows that God was displeased that he was going to the world of the occult, to an occultist, a trained occultist, who was supposed to be a medium, a go-between between the the physical world and the spirit world, and uh, uh, he went there uh, for information, much like people who go to see fortune tellers, and uh, God came down on them, came down on them like a ton of bricks for it, and uh, pronounced sent Samuel the prophet uh, to pronounce. The, the, the uh, coming judgment for Saul which Saul was to die the very next day and Israel was to be defeated in battle uh, by the uh, uh, Philistines okay that's it for this lecture we'll pick it up with psychic surgery in the next uh, lecture